Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. We are back. Better than ever. No guests this week. Uh, we're going to have one soon, I think, Josh, right? I mean, I mean, people like us, I think. Yeah. I mean, I they hate that... me, but I think they like you. You're, you're a very approachable, reserved old man. So I think people like you. You're, you're a wise old man. <laughs> yeah, you're, you got that kind of um, love it or hate it type of um, That's true. appeal. That's you know, true. it's like that, that, that um, WWF wrestler that can never uh, turn it off. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're into that thing, they love you. If not, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I could, I, could rub people, I could rub people sour for sure, and I'm okay <laughs> with that. You got to be a little polarizing in this world, Josh, and yeah. I like it. And uh, I think the topic we're going to talk about today, I wouldn't say it's polarizing, but it's a little political, and we're not going to talk about whether or not Josh is going to be the first at the polls voting for whoever this year. We're talking about, like, a, um, I guess, a bit of legislation they're trying to pass that actually would impact our space that we work in. And so there is, and I can't remember the exact name of this legislation going through, but what they're trying to do, Josh, is approve the use of HSA and FSA accounts for the purchase of dietary supplements without a letter from a doctor, meaning you can go into GNC, stack up a, a cart, and use your HSA card to purchase that. Um, versus now, like I said, if you need like primrose oil or pregnenolone or something like that, say if you're a female and you want that covered from your HSA account, you need a letter of medical necessity from your doctor that allows you to do that. So if this gets approved, um, I think it does impact and change quite a bit maybe actually in what we do because – First off, let's let's spell out what HSA is because I don't necessarily know everybody who listens to this fully understands what a health savings account is. I personally don't have one just because I'm self-employed. I'd like one. You might actually have one set up for yourself. Um, but essentially, they are pre-tax dollars put into an account that are used on medical expenses. So some people, like me, once upon a time, would I never went to the doctor, Josh, but I would put money into an HSA because it's essentially a secondary 401k, and it gains interest. And at some point, you can you know liquidate it for cash. So... Um, if your company offers an HSA, it's a cool little thing to do, but again, it's used for medical expenses only. And typically, you know, honestly, you could like buy a lot of stuff with that thing, with with that card and they don't necessarily always fact check it. But if this legislation gets approved, does it, do you think it's a a major impact, minor impact or no impact to our space? I mean, I guess it depends on what we're considering our space. I guess if we're talking sports supplements, probably not all that much. Um, you know, if we're talking broader, like, you know, vitamins, minerals, Mm -hmm. and just kind of general dietary supplements, I think that definitely has, um, some potential because the, I guess the person that's buying sometimes a lot of those maybe are, are not the, you know, 22 year old kid or whatever. These are usually, like you said, somebody that has employment. Um, maybe they have the, um, the HSA or the FSA or, or some other kind of, you know, flexible spending account. And not only do they have access to that, but they also have probably some administrator that's explaining to them some of the changes that are happening. And I think we talk about this in so many different ways, but like the amount of, or the lack of communication or storytelling that happens around in our space. Like, so something like this changes, how many people or brands in our space would even know how to maneuver that new um, piece of legislation Mm -hmm. to actually be able to to walk the tightrope to get any benefit in our space, probably not that much. But when you start to talk about these, you know, 
vitamin brands that are owned by multi-billion dollar um, CPG conglomerates, that's a whole different picture. They're going to be really looking at that legislation and going, hmm, how do we kind of push a little bit extra in these areas? And maybe it becomes a more important part of their marketing pushes um, because right now, if you wanted to get any um, supplements like reimbursed, like you said, you had to get a, a letter of necessity from your doctor um, for some you know, issue that you're kind of having. Right. Or there's a few vitamins that are kind of considered okay. I think prenatal vitamins are mm -hmm. fine. Um, I think um, MSN and chondroitin for like joint um, arthritis issues. I think maybe even melatonin and a few other ones that are in there for like um, you know, some type of helping uh, one aspect, maybe not a disease or, or anything. And I think that that's where um, this becomes interesting because where this all um, originates from is from the tax code, mm -hmm. not from like, you know, people think to stuff, oh, it must be the FDA or it must be the FTC or, or something. It's actually the IRS that yes. does all of this stuff. It's their definition of what is considered a medical expense that actually gets like pushed through the tax side to be reimbursed. Exactly. And they kind of follow a little bit of a, a similar thought of like the FDA. Like if you look at the back of a supplement and it talks about, you know, it does not... Uh, what's a cure, diagnose, um, what's the whole thing, prevent, cure, whatever, uh, disease. Like it says that on the back of a supplement. Basically, very similar definition is that it has to do those things for the IRS to consider it non-taxable or, or like reimbursable. Um, so that's where the kind of the issue comes up is like the IRS is saying these supplements are not marketed for the purposes of what we consider a medical expense. And, and because of that, you're not able to use that for any reimbursable type of programs under our, you know, regulatory agency. Yeah. And I think you're, I mean, you're exactly right. Like the current legislation today, you need the letter of necessity from your doctor. And then that supplement has to have something on it saying it is meant for X, Y, Z. Like you have to have a claim, a health claim on it, which is in our field, like it, it doesn't exist half the time because you're just not allowed to do it. So that begs the question, okay, this legislation gets pushed through. You can use your HSA for dietary supplements, but then who defines what a dietary supplement is? Do you go back to DSHEA and like what, what that act is? Because technically a pre-workout is a dietary supplement. However, a pre-workout, in my opinion, as much as I like to use one, is not a medical necessity, is not something, it's not a preventative something, right? So the, the whole thing of this new legislation is to allow users to, to I guess, uh, invest more in preventative care because HSAs are typically used for drugs and prescriptions and things after you've already been diagnosed with something. So I have diabetes. Now I'm using my HSA for my insulin. Well, what about trying to prevent diabetes? And what is, what is that, right? Is there vitamins and minerals I can take to prevent that from ever happening. So now you have to say, okay, what is the definition of, do we just say we don't need the letter of medical necessity anymore and then the dietary supplement still has to make a claim on it? I mean, that's, that's kind of the confusing part. As much as we want this to get pushed through or people in the field want this to get pushed through, like it's not gonna be able to be used on pre-workouts. It's not gonna be able to be used on, on I mean, maybe test boosters. I don't know. I mean, I, it, that's, see, like that's it's a gray area. I mean, I think to your point, I don't think it's gonna impact sports nutrition like we think it is, but a company like Jaro, if I pronounce that right, um, which has all the vitamins and minerals, like, yeah, they might see a nice uptick. I think in that sense, it's brilliant. I think it's good. I think we need to focus more on preventative care and preventative, like, our, our health in this world versus, like, it's too late. Not doctor says I have, like, six months to live or whatever it is. So 
Um, but you know, we can expand upon you. You brought something up prior to even coming on the podcast about um, you know, like food and and subsidizing food to help prevent obesity. There's a lot of things where government involvement can come in, and and I know you and I have talked about like where. We're, we're not pro-government in terms of coming in and, and saying what we can and cannot do. So it's, it's tough. It's like, okay, if we don't want the government coming in and telling us what we can and cannot do, do we then want them to come in and subsidize something for better health? I mean, that's does that make us a hypocrite? Like, Josh, if, if I say I don't want the government telling me what I can and cannot take, but I'd like the government to subsidize food so that way we have less of an obesity crisis in the country. I guess if it's reinforcing positive um, elements within the market, like – you know, the biggest kind of knock a lot of times around be it natural food, organic food, or just general healthy food is that it costs a little bit more. So if you're on something like Snap or what food stamps or whatever um, that it's called today, like you're less likely to buy some of those things because you want that money to stretch as far as possible. So you're going to be looking to um, make different choices than maybe you and I that have disposable income to spend on, you know, better cuts of meat or um, organic vegetables or, or whatever we decide to buy. We have that ability where a lot of the, um, you know, people that are, I guess, are the, the biggest um, risk of all of this, they tend to be kind of put out there and not have those choices for them. So if you are trying to, I guess, um, give a little bit of benefit towards acting positive in that way and giving a benefit to that, that might help a little bit because when you think about the idea of like food as, as medicine, um, it's like an old school concept. And I think it's a hundred percent true. It's just that because of big pharma and everything like that, they've really tried to like take all that away. It's similar to like supplements in a su some sense where, there's a lot of supplements that do really great things, but there's a lot of people that try to knock it down because it's not the benefit of big pharma or mm -hmm. you know some big government organization or something like that. So then you have a lot of that that gets stunted. And I think that all of, you know, I don't want to say all of it, but there's a, a vast majority of probably the diseases that have came past the point of when our food production and, and supplies changed over that really wasn't a thing before that. Right. Um, it, so there has to be a, a line drawn and said, okay, what changed? The biggest thing that changed was probably X. Okay, maybe we should we should start to eradicate or, or kind of turn back the dials of like that and let's look at food again as a proper piece of medicine for preventative care of all of these diet-based, nutrition-based diseases that we deal with that then becomes a lot more of an issue when now we're dealing with like a global health pandemic on COVID, like, you know, People could say about whatever around like the comorbidity 6% you know, thing that came out, but everybody knew that it wasn't necessarily COVID only that was killing people. It was something else. Mm -hmm. So like if you had, you know, if you were obese or right. you had diabetes or you had something like that going into it and then you caught COVID, you had a much like, uh, I guess, higher chance of, of actually dying from that over something like you and I that maybe have no, no pre-existing conditions. We just, you know, it's like something else. So I think- when you get into that point, it makes sense to start to like lay the groundwork and start to um, put people, uh, I guess, like their movements in the right way. I mean, you want them to be acting appropriately to have the body to be able to fight off some of these, you know, potential viruses or diseases. Right. It's interesting. I mean, we could pretty much entitle this podcast like "Government Involvement and Preventative Whatever." I mean, right? Like HSA, the food. I remember like being 
as a kid, I, I believe the program in Wisconsin was called WIC. Um, and I don't know if it's still called WIC, but they, they would have certain foods that were WIC eligible. So like, mm-hmm. those were the only foods you could buy. And I believe now the SNAP program is essentially like a credit card or a yeah, debit card. I think it's a little bit different. And yeah, you but... basically can buy, for the most part, what you want. And I, 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 mean, I correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, people out there too. But I have seen individuals on this program or in this program go through the checkout line with ribeye steaks and bags of chips and just really garbage-ass food. Or in the case of ribeyes, it's like tasty food but not healthy cuts but expensive. So I think, too, like we could we could do a whole podcast on food and the, the miseducation. I think we've talked about this before, but like this is going to make me sound like an asshole, Josh, but I'm just going to say it out there. Typically, families or those that are on like a, a WIC or a SNAP program probably aren't as educated on food selection as those who aren't. And that, that's – I know I'm putting everybody into a basket, and that's unfair. I'm not trying to be unfair, but – you know, I, I, I look at my brother, for instance. My brother is on, on food stamps in the state of Wisconsin. He doesn't fucking know. Like, he doesn't take the time to know. And I think he's a representation of, of quite a bit of that population. It's just because, like, listen, you try to get the most food that you can to feed your family. And I get that. Ramen noodles, mac and cheese, and things of that nature. Like, it's cheap. But, I mean, the, the education standpoint there that we've talked about, like, you know, with HSA and telling that story. Like we, we need to do a better job of telling the story holistically across all realms, I think, of trying to help people be more preventative on terms of these diseases where it's like, okay, this HSA program exists. Here's what you can use it on. Here's why. This program exists, and here's why. I mean it's just – I don't know. It's, it's interesting because government involvement in, in, in anything sometimes makes people cringe. But to your point, like if it's promoting a positive um, you know, standpoint – that's great. And, that, and then I think of the food space, right? Like, okay, so the government comes in, they're going to say, we're going to subsidize – natural and organic, but at the same time, we are going to fund, like, Monsanto and all these, like, GMO companies that are doing all these. So, like, they're kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth. Well, we want to make sure people can afford natural organic, but at the same time, we need to make sure food production is, is enough because we have 7 billion people on the planet. It's, it, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah. It's like, for me, it reminds me of, like, a realtor for whatever reason. Like, a realtor makes 3% commission on the sale of a home, Right. So if you're going, you and your, your, your lovely girlfriend are going to buy a home, the realtor wants to make sure that they find you a good spot for a good price. But if that house sells for more, they actually make more. So, like, they're supposed to have your best interest in mind as the client, but then they also want to make sure they get paid. So it's just like, you know, when you're torn from both sides, it's, it's very difficult for me to be like, hmm, I wonder if this can work. So as much as I want the government to come in and say, you know what, let's, let's subsidize natural organic, on the backside, they're still funding all these big GMO companies. And I'm not saying GMOs are, are necessarily bad. Like, we need to produce food. We do. Um, it's just, it's confusing as fuck, Josh, for me. Yeah, because it gets into the idea of them then choosing what they consider healthy. It's kind of back to the FDA's kind of food pyramid thing mm-hmm. where, like, the food pyramid is, is built around a lot of times the big agricultural companies coming in and, and giving them a bunch of money and saying, hey, you need to drink three glasses of milk. You need to, you know, eat these amount of grains and stuff because farmers, that's, you know, they got to make sure that they cover all of that. Um, and then that gets in the case of, like, you know, what is considered healthy, what is considered, you know, food as medicine? Is that, you know, the Mediterranean diet? Is that the keto diet? Is that, or can you make it in a more broad way? Is it something that like a food or a supplement company has to get a certain certification to be able to, to even count for it? Maybe it's, that's something that, you know, you have that on your bottle or your, or can or, or your package. I don't know, but it's, 
it's a, it's an interesting question because I think that the preventative aspect of it, I think anybody, we do a bad job at it. And I think that this would ultimately um, create a much better future for like, you know, having to pay for a lot of this with like Medicaid or Medicare and like, you know, we, we have a very sick society and it's just going to keep getting sicker as we go. And it's like, when do we stop? When do we roll back all of this? When do we actually start to like treat ourselves well before we get to the point where we get the disease, you know, because yeah. then at that point, then we're stuck on, you know, X prescriptions, we're spending a bunch of money in health costs and, you know, insurance companies have to cover that, or then it's the governments, the states or the whoever has to cover it. It's like not even in the United States, it's like every single um, country, you know, has their own kind of way of dealing with it. And, and not anybody's kind of prepared, I think, for what's kind of happening. I mean, each year, it seems like this stuff becomes bigger and bigger heart disease or mm -hmm. diabetes or, you know, just obesity in general. It's just like, it's just, when does it turn? I don't know. And we have to start to put the proper incentives or something in place. And, you know, it brought up a good point around like the people at the lowest uh, ring sometimes don't get the information. And that's a, a like a systematic problem because right. I brought up a point even around like the HSA, like if you are within a probably a uh, company, you know, say General Mills, you know, you are probably a certain caliber of person that works there. Mm -hmm. That person then has access to healthcare, HSAs, you know, they have HR people to explain them things or whatever it is. Now think about if you were you know, flipping burgers at McDonald's and, you know, the person that you're supposed to talk to is probably your shift manager. That person probably doesn't know anything. It like, by the time you have to like go through all of that, do you actually get the information that you need? Probably not. And then you just go, I don't need to worry about it. I'll just keep doing what I'm doing and I'll be fine. It's like the information never gets put down to the lowest ranking. Um, and that's more of like a systematic problem because I don't think anybody that we're talking about would benefit all that much by this changeover because those people maybe don't even have any access to an HSA or an FSA anyway. So right. like to them, they don't even know what the heck's going on. Yeah, I mean, 100% correct. And I think the system error starts at the top, too. I mean, we, we, we're talking about, you know, HSA for preventative care, but doesn't our system essentially promote, like, not preventative care? Like, they, they want yeah. you to get sick. I mean, granted, yeah. healthcare costs a fuck ton, right? But pharmaceutical companies are one of the biggest spenders at, at, on Washington, right? So, I mean, they're the ones who are lobbying and, and giving tons of cash up there. Uh, so, I mean, government's like, okay, but we need people to get sick, so they have to buy these really expensive drugs. So if we then start to approve preventative stuff, are we going to start getting money from those companies? Because then the pharmaceutical companies are going to come down and be like, well, we don't own that preventative sector. We don't own the vitamin general, so fuck you. Like, don't approve that because we want them to get sick. It's, the whole system's broken. I mean, that's, so, so it's like, here's the right thing to do, but here's cash and greed and bullshit over here. And it's like, yeah. this always outweighs... And again, not to get too political, but that's how the system in the states are set up. It is, it is. It, it, they don't, they don't care if you prevent it. Like they would rather us, I think, get sick at times because even though healthcare costs us trillions of dollars, they still get that cash flow from pharmaceutical, big pharma. And I, I, I think Canada is a good example, like how different I think they're set up in terms of their healthcare system. I don't know how healthy people are in Canada. Um, I probably healthier than here. I have no idea, or maybe maybe not because it's colder. I don't know, but it's just. It's just a whole system. It's like, okay, we should be promoting a healthy way of living, and we should be subsidizing or making healthy foods more affordable. Should we start doing fat taxes like Mexico, I think, did on, like, 
You know, or didn't the state of New York ban like beverages so, yeah. over a certain yeah. amount? Right. Like, I mean, now you're getting into a grounds like now you're getting to that area where there's is the government overstepping where they're supposed to be. And and in that case, right, like, OK, let's ban anything over 20 ounces or whatever it might be. Uh, for me and you, we're like, cool, I don't care. I mean, I'm not drinking that much anyway. But for some people, they're probably like, fuck you. If I want to drink 36 ounces of, of, of Mountain Dew uh, and eat fruit snacks and eat Taco Bell, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So why – so – but to me, that would be the government stepping in and essentially promoting positivity in terms of, like, preventing obesity. But, again, they're like, now we're overstepping. So, like, if you're a libertarian uh, and you're, you're, you're anti-government in terms of that, like, that's where I'm torn. It's like, okay – I would like some help in certain areas to make us overall a better society, but then how far is too far? Yeah, I think for me, this maybe sways a little bit from, you know, I guess the pure libertarian ideals, but I, I would, I don't like somebody telling me um, in the sense of like what I can't do, but if they're going to put in incentives to help me um, act a, like better um, and give me incentives for that but not tell me what I can't do, I'm okay with that. So then you, you still have the choice then. Hey, if, if I want to be more healthy, I get a benefit for that. Cool. I'm going to go in that direction. Or you know what? I could care less. I'm just going to eat the way I want to eat. Um, but nobody's going to tax me or mm -hmm. nobody's going to tell me I can't eat these things or whatever. I like that plan over the whole like trying to take away the bad stuff. And um, then people just end up wanting it more. Right. I, I think that's what ends up happening. I mean, you think about um, always the joke is like if you had friends that went to um, like Catholic schools growing up and like by the time they got to maybe high school or college and they went to a public school, they were like the worst kids because they were restricted for so long that when they finally got a taste of anything, maybe they went wild. I mm. think that's the case of every, anybody. When you get restriction so much, you then seek it out. It becomes like this thing that you just desire and you want um, instead of just telling people none of this stuff is all that bad. There's better things for you. And if you do that – will incentivize you. But if you want to act the other way, you're the owner of your own body. Good luck. Do your own thing, you know, whatever. And I think, you know, that gets into the argument of like, yeah, eventually it does not just affect you. It affects the gut, you know, the, 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 the whole country because now we have to take care of you and, and, and whatever. But, um, you know, on a fundamental, like transactional level, it's, I, I kind of lean towards that area, but the, I was thinking about, just in general, there was a some, uh, an old story of mine I was thinking about at Muscle Farm actually, like, and this kind of rolls us back into like the sports nutrition side of things. But we had a product doesn't exist; it doesn't exist anymore. Um, but it was called Muscle Gel or Combat Gel. Combat, I think yeah. it maybe changed names, but um, but at the time I think it was called Muscle Gel. But basically, um, it was just a collagen portable like gel. Um, packet, uh, similar to like the goose and stuff that you take with the carbs, but mm -hmm. with protein. Um, but we were looking at it for a while and, and I think we went through a lot of different steps. It was extremely costly and extremely difficult to try to get it to be reimbursable, reimbursed from Medicaid and Medicare, because essentially when you are a, maybe a cancer patient or something like that, they are giving you little vials of like this protein serum that you mm -hmm. take that try, like, because you don't have an appetite or, or whatever. Um, so we were trying to do that as a totally offshoot of yeah. that product. But just the steps I know, and this is almost 10 years ago at this point, so um, I don't know if it's gotten easier or not, but I remember just how much paperwork and how much hoops you had to jump through. So you think going back to, is this gonna benefit some of the sports nutrition brands? Like, I, 
I just don't think a lot of them even have the capabilities to even go through a lot of that, let alone like trying to get paperwork to push through international sales. You know, this is a whole different world. You brought up an interesting comment before about, you know, like General Mills and the caliber of person that works there. I think it's the caliber of company, too. And, and the reason why I say this is, I mean, we talk about promoting positivity and incentivizing you to do things to be better or live healthier. I mean, two examples in my professional career that I think the government could potentially embrace as well or, or just more healthcare in general is one is promoting like a biometric screening and you'd get a discount on your healthcare. So just going in and getting your lipid panel done, um, you know, we would then save like 50 bucks every paycheck on healthcare. And why that was important is because you got a report, a visual report using like colored graphs and imagery to look at that. And I think that's beneficial because then as a person, you can get that. And, and when it shows you that your cholesterol is way too fucking high, you could maybe be like, shit, I really should eat better. And it tells you how to, you know, lower that. Here's the steps you can take to lower cholesterol. Here's steps you can take to, um, you know, get your blood pressure where it needs to be, or maybe your blood sugar is too high, just things of that nature. But they, they incentivize you to go and do it. The second thing is that a lot of companies are doing now, or a lot of health insurance companies have done, and I don't know if they still are, is incentivizing you to go work out. So they get your check-ins, right? You go to LA Fitness, Lifetime Fitness, Equinox, whatever. Um, and if you had X amount of check-ins per month, you'd get X amount off your health care. So those are simple things like that that then also, you know, you could say subsidizing healthy foods, potentially HSA for dietary supplements in which are considered preventative medicines um, or preventative supplements, I think are all really good things. And I'm pro that. I think anything that promotes us to live better, make better choices, to hopefully prevent cancer and prevent diabetes and prevent heart disease and things of that nature, like, why not? But then again, on the flip side, it's like, okay, but if you get cancer, you get diabetes, you get lung cancer or heart disease, then again, the pharmaceutical companies pop in. So we need to figure out as a country, like, somebody needs to do it. Like, you and I, I think, know what we'd want to do. But, like, the higher-ups need to, like, take a stance and say, like, we need to to do this for our people and make sure we, we take care of that because... You know, again, not to get too political, but their number one role should be the people, not the lobbyists. But again, we know that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thinking about this in two ways. You you mentioned around getting the analog um, or just kind of data scraping, probably like L.A. Fitness and stuff like that for their um, data. But, you know, I know a lot of um, the health um, care or health um, insurance companies were doing things also with like Apple um, watches mm-hmm. where like or activity trackers, like to get the, get the activity data, get that kind of stuff. And then that moves into a lot of like the more data that we can exchange between these companies, if there's a benefit to us, um, from a cost perspective, I think a lot of people would be interested in doing that, especially like you and I, like if you and I were able to, to wear something or, or get, you know, certain blood tests or or whatever it is, um, on a regular basis and, and it lowered our, our premiums, we would do it in a second because we go, we know, oh, you know, we're healthy individuals and we want to get a benefit from the, the, all, a lot of the stuff that we do on our own for like intrinsic uh, benefits. We want to actually um, benefit from that. It's kind of like the um, car insurance. Like there was those things that you plugged in that told you if you're an asshole driver or not, it's <laughs> exactly. like, if you were a good driver, then it's like, they gave you a, a benefit. If you were a bad driver, they were like, they were like, well, you know, we have to keep this rate pretty high. So that gets into like that point of this, we talked about it before, like the Apple watches or like the Pelotons or whatever, like that sharing of data that could be potentially like awesome, even with like food data. Like if you can input those things into like, you know, right now it'd be something like a my fitness power or something like that. But if you think like to the point where it would just automatically kind of update what you're eating, like if you knew your diet, your activity, a lot of these different like 
um, areas of, of your health, if you were able to kind of report that back to your health insurance company, they should be able to, to kind of, you know, help you out a little bit. And then just the point at the end, you were talking about, you know, the government or any of these individuals, they're supposed to be doing the best for the people. I mean, it's, it's interesting because their fiduciary duty is us to take care of the people or, you know, even some of the, you know, some of the organizations have mandates that are supposed to be kind of in a way like different fiduciaries and, and, and segments, but it ultimately comes down to like, you're, you're your only person, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, or if you uh, have kids or your wife or whatever, like, you, you know, those are your true fiduciary duties in terms of like keeping those people safe. That should be, you know, yourself seeking information, yourself trying to figure those things out. Like you shouldn't be really trying to pawn that stuff off on, on somebody right. else. Cause I mean, I think anybody that's smart enough or has paid enough of attention over the last you know couple of weeks or months of, of all this is that nobody really cares about, you know, the little guy. They don't care about anybody other than themselves. So it's mm-hmm. like, flip that around, you better damn well care about yourself as much as they care about themselves, or you're going to be definitely at a disadvantage. Huge disadvantage. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like you mentioned, I mean, we can't rely on government. We can't rely on healthcare. We can't rely on any one person or organization. Like we have to make the decisions ourselves, what are, what we want to do. So I think it's an interesting topic. Again, you know, kind of bringing this back full circle, whether or not this HSA legislation gets pushed through, I think it's more complicated than just yes, no. Um, I think there's a lot that goes into it, but do, am I for preventative vitamins and minerals being part of the HSA? Yeah, I am. As long as it's, you know, as long as, but I'm not for, I'm not for pre-workouts. And, and this is coming from a guy that is in this space. Like I'm not for that being a, a necessi- necessity in terms of a medical expense. It's not, you don't need a pre-workout. You don't need BCAs. You don't need protein. One could argue, but you don't need it. You can eat food. So um, it'll be interesting. And if it gets pushed through, I don't know if it's coming up in November or whatever, uh, but love to hear the feedback and thoughts of, of people listening and watching in terms of, you know, government involvement or big pharma involvement and kind of what your thoughts are and, and what is their place in this world in which we live. Um, it would be kind of cool to hear. If you like the podcast, hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Or if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify, help us out by writing us a review. It helps out the algorithm. You can follow Josh Shaw on all the platforms. Um, he's the one who posts the content that Facebook takes down all the time because it's very, very risque. Uh, Josh, your fans only page, is it up and active yet? Yeah, but Belle Thorne, <laughs> she screwed me because all those, uh, I can't get the big tips like I used to. <laughs> yeah. big, big tips, Josh Shaw. Get it. All right, buddy. Until next time, Josh Shaw. The Nut King. I, got, I finally got to say it. I finally got to call myself the Nut King. We will see you guys next week. Subscribe to our podcast. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcast, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup. Instagram, and Twitter.